It's interesting, it says of the disciples of Jesus said they were the, uh, the religiously, the people of their day who led in their day, uh, noticed that they were unlearned and ignorant men, or in other words, they're just ordinary guys, young guys, ordinary guys. But they noticed two things about them. One, they had been with Jesus. They'd, been, they'd allowed Jesus to shape their life and make them different. So, and that's the key. They noticed that. How did they know they'd been with Jesus? Because they talked like him and they had attitude like him. See, they weren't bowed down and afraid. They talk with that kind of attitude of authority coming out of a relationship with God. See? And, it said, and then they saw the miracle they'd done. They couldn't say a word. So they not only had they been with Jesus and allowed Jesus speak and shape their life, that actually had a power of God working in their life, had the favor of God on them. Now, what can you say when someone's got the power of God on their life and they speak and act like Jesus and do the works of Jesus? Who can argue with that, eh? Well, you know, what happens is, see, when we do good works, when we do kind things, and you know, well, actually a lot of people do that. And so people praise you when you do those sort of things. But when you can carry the power of God and miracles take place, then you confront everyone and people are forced to make a choice. That's why I find everywhere where Jesus went where he did miracles, the crowd divided. You read right through the Bible, the crowd divided, the crowd were divided, the crowd were divided, the crowd were divided, because the power of God will always create a division. Those who embrace and move to what God's saying and doing and those who fight against them. And it always comes, the one thing that brings it out is when the power of God is flowing. It's a fantastic thing. So I don't think the power of God's always got a nice thing. It actually just sorts things out, puts a line down the middle and say, God's really going to come on his side or not. And a great thing, isn't it, eh? So a generation of young men, young man, young woman rising up that have been with Jesus. Do you talk like him, think like him, act like him, carry the same passion, same heart as him? It's what God's looking for. Amen? Amen. It's fantastic. Okay, then. Well, I want to share just something tonight because next week, just... The next Sunday, we, how many have been going through the series we're doing in church, Undercover? Man, that's great. Whoa, look at all these people here. How many felt some things stir up inside? Not all the good things. Yeah, yeah, the sort of like sticking a, a, stick, and a stick into a bee's nest, wasn't it really? <laughs> Stuff starts to come out. So by now, you've been in there long enough to have felt things rising in your life that need to actually come to the light. And uh, what I want to do tonight is, is prepare for what we're going to do next Sunday. Because it's Father's Day, I want to just share with you an important principle with a promise that God makes to us. And I want to share with you three laws that work together. And I want to show you just how you can prepare yourself this week for the things that God's going to do in your life next week. And uh, so as we've gone through that series on authority, see, it takes faith to trust God and then respond to people he's put in our life. It takes faith. So you've got, so you got faith in the goodness of God that he can work through ordinary people. You know, what happens? We look at ordinary people, get offended and hurt, and then we react and we miss what God wants to do. So uh, as a result of what we've been studying over the week, there will have surfaced in the hearts of many issues. And the issues will relate primarily to these things. Uh, number one, it will relate to fathers or mothers or people in authority over you who have hurt you. Maybe it was real hurt, maybe it was just a perceived hurt. Nevertheless, there's something going on in your life that you haven't resolved. Secondly, there'll be teachers and other people who have hurt you. We, we had the uh, interesting situation of praying uh, just a few weeks ago of a girl, and now she's, how old would she be now? I think she's about in her 30s at least, 30s. And when she was six, she was deeply abused by her music teacher. Used to, she used to beat her with a ruler and humiliate her and, and, and right there, years later, 26 years later, 
she's struggling to be creative in her music because of how she shut down when she was a young girl. And uh, so we prayed for her, and she had tremendous visitation of God, and God just set her free, just changed immediately. So what we're looking at next week is on the morning and the evening to have a time of ministry for people who have been hurt, whether it be within your family, whether it be by people who are teachers or people in church situations or authority situations. With I can remember one guy, for example, uh, he was, uh, we, were, we were in a wedding. We were gone to a wedding in, uh, over in Europe uh, with, uh, my, uh, in Denmark. And uh, we came out, and we had to catch a train home. And so we're standing on the station. I'm standing on the station. And as I looked across the other side of the station, I saw this man. And I, saw, I caught his eyes. And the moment I caught his eyes, he started to manifest. I thought, oh, I looked away. I thought, I don't need that right now. And, uh, but it was too late. I'd already caught his eyes. And he started. To, he looked at me, and I saw that look. And I know that look. And I thought, oh, and I just kind of turned away, and I just got talking. But it was too late. He was manifesting. And uh, that means there were some things in his life had come up because the Spirit of God had touched him. And so now this was, these were electric rail lines, you know, with the electric trains. And he climbed down and walked. I mean, he put his life in danger. And I'm thinking, no, don't, 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 don't do it. You're tra- we're all waiting for the trains to come. And he's determined he's coming across that, cr- straight across the line, straight up to me. And uh, I'm trying to think, oh, perhaps if I won't look, and maybe he'll go away, you know. <laughs> he'll just, you know, maybe the train will come quick. And uh, no, and he crossed over, and he came up the other side, and then he came up, and he, he just stood there, and, and he was angry. And he started to shout. He was really angry. And then, and I just sort of kind of smiled and tried to talk quietly to him, and just thinking, God, what is this? Couldn't understand him. Then he went over to Mark, and he's yelling. And as he's yelling, we're going to hear he's angry at the police, and he wants to kill a policeman. And I'm thinking, boy, here's a dangerous character. And I'm thinking, God, you just got to help us on this one. Show me what to do. Because the man had, I could tell, I could pick up enough from what English he had that he'd actually been abused by police. And he was now full of anger and hate. And his path was set on killing a policeman. And he was manifesting it right in front of us. In other words, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, it came up. And now it was out in the open. I said, God, you got to show me what to do to help this man. And uh, because it's such a language barrier, it's quite difficult to talk with him. And uh, I just felt the Lord drop an idea into my my heart. And I said, hey, I I went right up to him, looked him in the eyes. I just said, I have got something to give you. I want to give you a gift. And he stopped immediately and went quiet. And I reached in my pockets and I'd, as I often do, I'd grabbed a couple of chocolates as I left the the wedding <laughs> and had two chocolates one in each pocket and I got them out and I put them in his hands and with that tears came in his eyes and he gave me a tremendous big hug kissed me on the cheek even and then mate now what did it see I, I actually honored him and valued him and it caused what was in his life to subdue and the real grief and he could see and feel the rejection in his life just there right there in front of us and uh, it's just amazing just how an act of kindness, just to, to value someone instead of reacting to their weird behavior, actually had a huge impact on his life. And he just went the other way, and he went down through, and there was, a, there was a, apparently some kind of tunnel. He could go across and come up the other side. He went down, went through, they went up the other side. But the thing is, he was carrying in his life an unresolved conflict. And all it took was someone to trigger it off. If you are carrying unresolved conflicts... It's only time before someone triggers it off. And that time bomb that's in you explodes. And we don't know who will be hurt when that happens. 
So what I want to do tonight is I want to just share with you just some simple things from Scripture. They're, they're, they're actually principles. They're, 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 they're laws which God has set in place. You can't break the laws. You only prove they're there. But you can't break them or violate them. And I want to show you how to position yourself this week so next week when we have a time of ministry, your heart and your life are prepared to receive the very best of what God has. You say amen? I don't want to hurry ministry to you because I want you more to prepare your own heart. The thing is, you're not a victim, you're a person. And it's in your power to make choices that will change your future. You can't change what people did to you, but you can change what you do about what happened. And that's where you're empowered. Now, it doesn't matter how old you are, you can be a young person, you can come from a broken family, you can come from all kinds of situations, whatever you come from, and there will be pain, there'll be turmoil with it. But listen, you will choose how your future unravels. And I'm encouraging you tonight to recognize and face the things that are there and come to the Lord with them and prepare this week so next week when we come to pray, you're ready to go, ready to rock, ready to let God do a great thing. Hey? Come on, tell someone you need to listen to this. <laughs> yeah, we know it's them. We're all right, mate. Mate, we're all right. <laughs> Okay, just open the Bible. I'll share, I'm not going to talk a lot about this. Just going to give each one of them very simply, just explain briefly how it works out. And I want to share each of these, there's three principles. And uh, you can't break them. Now, the thing about a law is this. You can't break it. It's a law literally describes how reality works. Huh? A law describes how, so there's a thing called the law of gravity. Right? Law of gravity describes uh, the attraction that lies between two objects. And you can't change gravity. All you can do is acknowledge it's there. So whether you believe it or don't believe it, agree with it, don't agree with it, whether you like it or don't like it, makes no difference. Step off a building, the law of gravity will take over. You're down, and you'll break a leg. Now, don't go complaining that God broke your leg. You broke the law, and as a consequence, you had a concert. There was something happened. See? And so this is how God has set things up. God does not personally intervene unless by faith we reach out to him. So... So what he does is he set principles in place. So law of gravity holds everything together. It's one of the laws. There's other laws that govern how objects move. There's the law of inertia. The bigger something is, the harder it is to get it moving. And once it's moving, the harder it is to change its direction or stop it. Now, you see, you can disagree with it, like it or don't like it. It doesn't make any difference. They'll teach it to you in fifth and sixth form or something like that. And the thing is, it is a law. Someone found it was there, but God put it there. And it describes how things go. And so we can rely on it. Rockets rely on it to go up to the air. So, so laws describe how things work. So I'm going to share with you three laws or three spiritual laws. And you, you don't break them. You just actually prove they exist. And either you can position yourself so you get blessing from them or you position yourself so you get hurt by them. But they're there for our good. Right? They're there for our good. And everything that God does is for our good. So when God sets things in place, he has in mind our lives will be blessed. And so in order for our life to be blessed, I've got to connect with him and begin to get to know how he's made life to work. Okay, here's one. Here's the first one. We're doing this one up because it's Father's Day. You need to get this one. And you heard it before. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, it doesn't matter how many times you hear it. You can hear it. You're going to hear it every year. You're going to hear it every year. As long as you're not doing it, you'll hear it. Okay, I'll tell you why. Have a look. Here it is here in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and uh, verse 2. And he's talking children. See in verse 1 he says children. So who's he talking to? Okay. Talking to children. Talking to young people. 
See? So this applies to you. Tell someone next to you, it applies to you. Listen. Listen up. This is for you. Okay, here it is in verse 2 and 3. Here's the first law. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long in the earth. So here's the first one, the law of honoring your parents. The law of honoring your parents. Now, I want you to see that God has attached a promise. That means God personally backs this one up. And here's what the promise is. Now, see, this is the first one that's got a promise attached. In other words, even though God has laid out some laws that govern how life works, this is the first one that's got a promise on it. Here's the promise. That's a good promise. That life will work out real well. Now, that's really good. It'll work out well in your finances. It'll work out well in your relationships. It'll work out well at school. It'll work out well in your workplace. It'll work out well in the church. He said, this is the promise. Two things are promised to you if you will actually align yourself with this principle. Here it is. The first one is that life, as you look at the longer term, will work out really good. I noticed I was interested to see what Rachel said tonight. She said initially the decisions, some of the decisions her parents made seemed crazy to those around her. But as they just kept doing it, in the long term, it's worked out real well. But the others who said they were crazy, their life has not worked out well. Okay? I've seen the same thing in, uh, in my wife's family, in Joy's family, and uh, her brothers, one, her, her own father, her own father made a decision when he's a young man to walk in the ways of God. And then his, his, his brother made a decision not to. In fact, laughed at it and ridiculed it. Then you get them down years down their life, and you see one, you've got children and grandchildren honoring and loving and, and, and tremendous joy. And then in the other one, you've just got bizarre, weird relationships. It's not at the beginning you see this. It's over the course of a period of time. So you may find, well, today you tried hard to do well. Listen, you make this a way of life, then over the course of your life, things will work well for you. And I can absolutely guarantee this. So this is the promise of God. God personally promises you this. Now, how many want their life to work well? Well, there are a lot of things we can do that will help it work well, but here's one thing, honor your father and your mother, and life will work well. And not only that, and you'll live long. Okay? You'll live long. What does that mean? It means you won't have sicknesses or accidents like other people have them. Okay? You'll live long. You'll live long. That's the promise. You'll live long. I plan to live long. I plan to live long. Because there's a promise there that God has made that life will work out. And you'll look around you and say, boy, look, what, look at all the good things we've got going on. And, and, and look at how healthy we are and how vital we are. Life is really going well. You see, but this is a promise God makes. Now, okay, now let's look at the flip side of the coin. The flip side of the coin is if you dishonor your parents, and we'll talk about what that means in a moment. If you dishonor your parents, life will not work out well. I guarantee it. I absolutely guarantee it. You don't honor your parents. Life for you will not work out well. You will have conflict after conflict after conflict, and you won't be able to figure out why you keep having it until someone nails it for you and asks, how's things with Dad? Oh, well, you know, the old man. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I see. You think there might be a connection between that thing that's going on in your heart and what's flowing out of you in life. The Bible's very clear. 
Very, very clear. So in any area you don't honor your father and your mother, what will happen is out of your life things will not go well. You'll have conflicts in your relationships, conflicts with authorities, conflicts with God, conflicts in your workplace, conflicts in marriage, conflicts in family. And to your horror, the very and we'll show you why in a moment, the very things you hated so much will surround you. It's a principle of God, I can guarantee it. I've been around counseling for years, and I've noticed this over the years, that one of the key root causes of problems people face in not being able to make relationships work is the dishonor of their parents, either a mother or a father or both. So what is that word? What does it mean then to honor them? If God's promised, my life progressively will work out well, and I won't get unnecessary sickness. See, if you come out of your family carrying bitterness, carrying anger, carrying hurt, you know what's going to happen? You'll get sick. You'll just get sick because you're not made to carry that. Now, our family prepares us to face life. They may do a terrible job of it. They may do a great job of it. It all varies. They may do a middle bit. It doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, they prepare you to go out into life. And if you go out into life and leave your family and go out to face the world and you are carrying unresolved conflicts and dishonor, what is going to happen is not only will you struggle with various kinds of sickness and various kinds of difficulties coming, life won't work for you. You're going to have struggles. You can't figure out why they're there. And they're trackable back to this one law. Remember, you cannot change the law. You're just going to prove it exists. And you'll prove it by, if you honor your mother and your father, what people will see over the course of your life is it'll work out well. And and, it's not you won't have troubles or issues, but overall it will work out real well. And it's not you won't have difficulties perhaps, or maybe the ups and downs and, you know, a little bit of flu or whatever. It doesn't say you won't have that, but overall you'll live long. You won't die prematurely. That's the promise. The Bible tells us that many people die prematurely. They die before their time. How come they die before their time? Demons took them out. Simple. And how could they do it? Well, the law was violated. And so you dishonor your mother and your father. You can't guarantee you're going to live long at all. Let me give you this. No, just give you a simple illustration of it. How many young people here know of someone who sneaked out at night dishonoring their parents' boundaries, got involved in a car crash, and their life was taken. That's probably the simplest way you could see it outworking. Premature death because they dishonored their parents' boundaries and dishonored their parents. Come on, I can think of a few over the course of time. I even know one family, and when the police came and, and when the police came to visit them, to ask about their child. They said, no, they're in bed. They went in the room. There's no child in the bed. The child's dead in a car wreck down the road, and that's why the police are at the door. And that child dishonored the parents, dishonored the boundaries that were set, and positioned themselves for a demon to take them out. This is what this thing about is undercover. It's actually positioning yourself for God's blessing in your life and the protection against unnecessary demonic attack. There's always some, if you're going to, make a, you're going to make your life count for something, you'd have some pressures. There's always something to fight, but you don't need to have unnecessary stuff. Get any idea? You're all good, but quite. How many know someone like that who sneaked out and got into trouble? Huh? Now, can I just ask a better question? How many know, how many of you deliberately broke your parents' boundaries somewhere and, man, it was bad? Huh? Come on. 
Right? If you'd honored your parents and kept the boundaries, you'd have kept yourself. It would have gone well for you. <laughs> Come on. We had a group of people and, and asked them, you know, they're all having troubles with their marriage. We asked how many of them, your, your father or your mother, give you warnings about this choice of person. 100% put their hand up. Why are they in the room? Because they've got problems in their marriage. And they can't connect that life is not working well now because they failed to give honor further back. Hello, we get the idea? Whoa, okay, so I'm getting real down on this one. Okay, no, listen, don't get down on it. Just face it. You make the choices, not someone else. You're not a victim. You're a person who makes choices. See? And if you've dishonored, and you may have been dishonored yourself. Now, I'm aware that some of you come from broken families, and there's a lot of reasons why families get broken. Sometimes it's a major issue of a, of a dad who's just really done uh, his family bad. He's harmed his family. But I bet if you went back and checked his background, there's similar issues, and he's dishonored his parents. Now he's reaping a whirlwind. Okay? So, so, so there are real situations. Some fathers abuse their kids. There's all kinds of stuff goes on that hurts people. Now, when you've been hurt, you've got to do something with what happens to you, or you become angry and then bitter, and the bitterness was what defiles you. So in Hebrews 11:15, it tells us, Hebrews 12:15, it says, don't let any root of bitterness spring up, otherwise many get defiled. So if in your family situation you get hurt and angry and it grows and doesn't get resolved, what happens is it begins to manifest in other ways. We become bitter, we begin to expect bad things. Some, guy, some girls expect that men will badly treat them. They expect it. Why? Because they came to the conclusion out of being hurt, that's how men are. And now they've got the sing inside and they have never resolved it. And what happens is it's going to outwork in their life. I have uh, counseled young women. I couldn't believe it. Young men as well. Couldn't believe it. Counsel one young woman. And now here's the problem. Here's the problem. She's got a major issue of violence in, the, in, her, in her marriage with a husband who's, who's a drinker. But when you track back, her father was a drinker and there was also violence there in the home. And it's like... It's all just repeated, except now it's much worse. She's the one getting the hidings instead of her mother. It's like the situation that hurt her, that she has judged and become bitter against, now has reproduced itself. And why is that so? Well, very simple. There's a law there. You dishonor, then you're going to find things will not go well for you. And what happens is, is the bitterness causes the person to feel comfortable around someone who reminds her just what dad's like. I have seen girls marry... Guys that were just like their dad, even though they hated what dad was like and how he treated them, they end up marrying someone just the same. You say, how could it be? Here's how. Because the, the dishonor and the bitterness in their heart, they actually connected automatically with someone just like that, and the thing outworks. So you could probably, you know, probably know many like. So there's, so there's the first one, honor. So honor means to place value on. So if we've got issues that have happened where we've been hurt in our heart, you've got to face it. And get it out of your heart. So the word honor means to treat someone so they feel valued. Now, whether you've been treated in that way doesn't really matter. God will treat you that way, and you can choose what you're going to do. So however you've been treated, whatever issues there are, you've got to make a decision to face the pain, release forgiveness, and position yourself to give honor and value. Honor your father, honor your mother. Treat them with an attitude of respect. Speak words that show respect. 
act in ways that show kindness and value them. And when you do it, things will go off you. Here's the second principle. I'll take a little less time with each of these because they're, they're a lot more self-evident. Here's the next one here, and that's the Lord judgment. I want you to look at me in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. The Lord judging. You know the scripture, judge not lest you be judged. Is that true? Verse 1, judge not that you need not judge. For the same judgment you judge others, you will be judged. The measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. Okay? Right then. Now, how many know the tendency in people to judge, to judge prematurely? So here's, this, here's what the law says. It's a law of judgment. And it's like a bouncing ball. You ever had a wall in front of you and you got a ball and you threw the ball at the wall? We used to do that. You throw the ball on quick. You catch it again. It comes back to you. Now, here's the principle. Very simple. If you launch a judgment out against someone, it's like a ball hitting a wall. It'll come back at you. In the world, they say something like this. What goes round comes round. It comes back round. So here's the principle very, very clearly. If you judge someone, if you look at them, find fault with them and judge them, now, this one, the same way you've judged them, it's going to bounce right back on you. You'll find yourself with the same issues in your life. They will come back at you. They come back at you. So what happens very often is we get hurt and then we judge. You get young women and they'll judge. Well, all men will treat you bad. You know what will happen? Dear God, that's exactly what happens to them. Every man they ever met treated them bad. It's like there's this something going on that tracks the wrong kind of people and the wrong kind of behavior. It's like a magnet pulling them in. It's this law of judging. So, see, so, you know, either you're going to release judgment out of your life or grace out of your life. You choose. You either get bigger by accessing grace of God or you judge people. Uh, and you've got to, you and I have got to make a decision. We will not harbor judgments against people. See, don't judge or you'll unleash a spiritual law. What you've judged them for doing is going to happen back in your life. I can think of many examples just like that. I wonder if you've judged, you know, I've seen young people judge their parents, judge their dad for drinking, they end up drinking themselves. And they can't, and, and see, they judge dad for drinking, now they're even worse. You think, how did you get here? Very simple. You threw a ball and it bounced back. Now here's, the, here's the third law. Now you put all these together, you'll see the need to resolve the issue. Here's the third law. Third law is found in uh, Galatians chapter 6. And it says, whatever you sow, you will reap. Whatever a man sows, whatever, 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 whatever. Now, you know, here's the thing. God created us to reflect what he's like. So he's a loving God, sows kindness all the time. God's way is always sown kindness. So he said, now what can I do to really bless the creation I made? I know what I'll do. I'll put a law in place. And this is the law. If they will sow, then they'll get back to them even more than what they sowed. That's a good law. Is that a good law or what? That's a good law. So you sow spud, you get a whole heap of spuds. Sow something of this and that, you get a whole heap of them. So it's a great law. The trouble is when sin came in, the law still is there. So now you sow sin, you reap the same thing back and you get more of it. So you sow a little bit of anger, a lot more anger comes back to you. It's a principle. You can't change it. It just is there. So you sow kindness, kindness will come back to you. Now you've got to understand these two things. One, it doesn't come back immediately, but it does come back. And two, it comes back bigger than it went out. Think about it. It comes out bigger than it went out. 
That's the law of sowing. You sow a potato, you expect a club, you expect to get a whole cluster of them. So you sow kindness, you expect kindness. We talk about sowing with finance. We sow finance, what are you expecting to get back? Expect to get finance back. That's a principle. That's why we, when you actually understand it and operate it, well, you know, if I'm going to sow money, I'm going to receive money. Now, I won't get it necessarily from the same place I sowed it, and I won't get it immediately. There will be a time delay when my seed dies, but then I will receive a harvest. So God says, don't fool yourself. Whatever, whatever you sow, you're going to get something back. So if you're at home sowing angry words, guess what is going to come back to you? Oh, my. Oh, you're so right. Yelling back there at mum. And then later on, you've forgotten all of that. And years later, you got an angry teenager yelling at you. And you can't figure out how life went so bad. Until someone asks you the hard questions. I've had parents come and they talk to me about their teenagers and talk to me about this and that. And, and I start to ask them about their background. I said, sounds like a familiar story then, doesn't it? Sounds like the very thing that you did to your parents, you've got a heap of it coming back to you, and it's re- you're on the receiving end now. And it's real painful. It's real painful, because now you are reaping far more than you ever gave out. Now, you see, now what God intended for good has actually worked out really against us because of sin. Now, you can't change the things. If you plant, a, if there's a weed in the ground and you let it seed, you know that you've got a huge problem in your garden. So got, we've got to deal with stuff. If you've got in the garden of your heart seeds of resentment and anger and hurt and unforgiveness and unresolved conflict with parents, I can guarantee you these things, that in the course of your life, things won't go well for you and the very things that you've sown out and judged on are going to come hurling back into your life, only there'd be much, much more. What can you do to deal with it? See, it's very simple. You've got to make the decision. I will not be waiting for someone else to change. I will make the change. I will make the change. I will make the change. Because I'm near God, I'll make the first step. And so you've got to make these decisions. You make the decisions. I will be responsible for my behavior and attitudes and how I carry on, regardless of how anyone treats me. Come on. See? Come on. See? So this is what I will do. I'll do what God says. Instead, where where I've been hurt, I will actually arise and face my hurt and grieve over it and then forgive. That just, uh, and bring it to the cross. Now, that just cancels the power of the cycle of sowing and reaping. You're going to reap unless you bring it to the cross. At the cross, Jesus broke the power of the thing. Okay? But you've got to do more than that. You've got to move from death to life. You've got to make the decision, now I'm going to bless, I'm going to sow good things. So if you want your children in the future to rise up and honor you, you rise up and honor your parents now. Because they're all watching, you know. When they're young, they're watching you. And they're watching what you're doing. And they hear what you talk when you go home. And they hear the words. And they pick up the attitudes. And then a little bit down the line, suddenly you're reaping an avalanche of the very thing that you were sowing against your own parent. You see, it's a principle. Now, here's what I want us to do. So if you just see it, very simple. The principle of honor. Honor your parents. It'll go well for you to live long. Dishonor them. Every year you dishonor them, you're going to have some troubles and issues. And you may have health issues as well. Secondly, if you judge. If you harbor judgments. 
about, a, about men, about women, about a father, about a mother, then what's going to happen is you, you've inevitably, it's coming back at you. You're going to receive the same, and you'll have to outwork. You can't believe the number of family situations where I've counseled a couple, and the issue they were facing was identical to the one they thought they left when they left home. See, they left home physically, but spiritually, emotionally, and baggage-wise, they're still well back there, and they're about to reap a harvest. Now, I want to reap. Now, I look, I'm reaping now things I sowed years ago, and you are too. Now, how can I change my harvest? I've got to change what I'm sowing. So first thing is, it's not a matter of trying to be good. It's a matter of from the heart, I've got to actually resolve things. So over the week, the thing that you could do, and we're going to just give you a chance to come before the Lord, just acknowledge I need to deal with some stuff. Lord, show me what it is in my life I've got to work on. And just take a little time, journal it, write some things down. What are the issues? What are the situations? Now, I'm making a decision to forgive and release and to bless. And day by day, I'm going to bless my mother and father. I'm going to hold them in my heart in prayer. See, when you hold someone in your heart as you pray, you can't harbor bad things against them. And if you try to hold them in the heart, begin to picture them, hold them in the heart, thank God, reach out and embrace them in love. What will happen is, if there's anything, anything wrong in there, it'll come up immediately. So you begin to just honor them. You say, what if my mom and dad died? Nevertheless, you can begin to thank, thank God for the memory of them. You begin to think about them again. You begin to thank God for them. You say, well, you just don't understand what they did. No, I, I don't understand that, but you still choose what you do. There was a young king called Josiah. His father was a demonic a Satan worshiper. His grandfather was a Satan worshiper. Whole nation's corrupt. And the Bible says he arose and he made a decision. He's not going to follow what they did. And he chose to model his life on someone else. And so he overcame what was there. You can do the same. You can make it. And God's looking for young men, young women that will arise. And it, it's not because you're hurt and you're bitter and you're angry. I'll never be like that. You actually have gone in and ministered life into that family. You've, you're blessing. You're honoring. You're thanking God. And you've got a good heart. Now you're going to start to reap. So here's the deal. Over the week, take a little bit of time. Come before the Lord. Ask the Lord to bring to the surface any issues related to parents, any issues related to authority figures where there's repeating conflict. And whatever you've been hurt in, get it out in the open. Feel it. Bring it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm just letting this go to you. Grieve over it. Weep over it. Get someone to talk with you. Listen to your story, whatever it takes. And then come to the place where you forgive. Now, that just undoes it. Now you've got to build something in its place. So you make a decision every day to pray for that person. See them as you pray for them. Release blessing. Father, I pray you'll bless them. I pray you'll help them. I pray you'll, you'll touch the needs in their life. I pray you'll reach into them where they have a great need. See? And then show acts of kindness. One of the greatest ways you can break the power of being dishonored is to sow a gift into the person who dishonored you. They'll never know what it was all for, but as you do it, something breaks within you. And you maintain the pattern of honoring, quickly forgiving, quickly letting go, quickly honoring. And what will happen is what you have sown, inevitably you will reap. Okay, why don't we just close our eyes right now. Just close your eyes. I mean, the musician's up now. We'll just finish up in just a moment. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord. We're just aware you want us to be in a, a people who are blessed, a people positioned for blessing. People positioned for blessing. Just while our eyes are closed, just turn the lights down, please. While our eyes are closed and just heads are bowed, perhaps is there anyone here who's never received Jesus Christ, never become a Christian, never given your life to the Lord, that you felt something here tonight, something of the presence of God, 
You saw two people and you wonder what on earth happened to them. But they came in in pain and they're leaving tonight and the pain's gone. They were healed. That's a miracle. That's the power of God. You've got to make a decision what you're going to do, whether you yourself will respond to Jesus Christ. See, that's the most important decision you can make, is to position yourself to receive God's love, His forgiveness, to receive His life into you. When you receive His life, you change. Is there anyone here tonight that doesn't know Jesus? And you say, I want to give my life to Jesus tonight. I want to become a Christian. Why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I'm ready to become a Christian. I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. God bless Anyone tonight? Just raise your hand. Let me see. You want to become a Christian? You want to give your life to Jesus? Never done it before, but tonight you're here. You want to do that? Is there anyone here? Just raise your hand up so I can see. I want to become a Christian. I'll give my life to Jesus tonight. Is there anyone here? Well, if there's any tonight, you, you know you walked away, you turned your back on the Lord, or perhaps there's just nothing happening in your relationship with God, and you feel challenged tonight that you need to actually connect with God again. Why don't you raise your hand and say, that's me tonight. I need to reconnect with God. I've, I've drifted away. There's a lot of other stuff come into my life. Why don't you raise your hand and say, that's me tonight. Put your hand and say, that's me. That's me. That's me. I'm not going home tonight like that. 